Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. So we are watching the news coverage over the past couple of weeks about a, uh, a measles outbreak in, uh, in California. And uh, Sydney looked at me and said, man, I wish we could just do vaccines again. But we've already done vaccines here yeah. on our show. Yeah, so I mean, do I would again. do it every episode because it's just that important. It's just that important. But, but we are circumventing that. Uh, this week. Tell me how, Sid. Well, I thought instead of talking about vaccines, I could just talk about measles as a way for me to talk about vaccines again. Um, we try to be pretty accepting, open people here on this show, unless you were born over 100 years ago, in which case I tend to give you a pretty hard time, and I <laughs> accept that. Uh, this is one area where I have basically, like, zero room for it's impossible for me to reasonably talk about this issue and like the uh, pros and cons this and gay marriage like i just i i have very little capacity no there's not this isn't there aren't two sides to this this is one of those cases where you don't need to give the other side a fair chance or listen to what they have to say or their argument or play devil's advocate no there's one side to this we have good science to support that vaccines save lives (coughs) Period. That's the end of that sentence. There's no but or but sometimes or otherwise. So when somebody gets the the measles vaccination, what exactly are they saving themselves or their children from? Okay, so let's talk about measles. Uh, First of all, there were two Sydneys responsible for this measles episode. Mm -hmm. One being me. Right. And the other being... Others, I don't want to call her other Sydney. Sydney too is fine. Well, but maybe she's Sydney and I'm Sydney too. Sydney with a Y. How's that? Yes, Sydney with a Y, who also suggested this topic. And I said, you know what, Sydney? This Sydney is going to get you, you're Sid, you, Sydney, you're back. No, yeah, yeah, you guys have the same this, name. I think we get it. Like, you're both Sydneys. I got it. I get it. I'm with you. I, I, I was got it. trying to go with the jokes because, you know. You weren't, so. Listen, you just, listen, well, okay. Sorry I haven't <laughs> busted everybody's stitches with measles gags yet. Let me reach into that vein. Oh, I got shocked. I got shocked by that rich vein of humor because it's electrified and, and it's terrible and there's nothing funny about it. This, well, here's the sad thing. Measles should be funny because we should just be able to eradicate it and be done with it. But it can't be funny. But no. And here's why. Okay, tell me so, about measles. Then. Anyway, measles has been around a long time it was probably initially related to a dog virus 
that mm-hmm. cause like distemper in dogs that uh, spread to humans sometime after humans started hanging out a lot more with dogs. So thousands of years ago when we were like, hey, Come on in. puppy. Come on in, weird wolf. <laughs> Let me I see like, if you can live here. Would you like to fetch? Do you I fetch? Think you look like somebody I could teach to fetch. You look like somebody I could teach to fetch. Why don't you come on in here and lay on these newspapers I invented? This was also the time that we invented the newspaper. Thank you, Gutenberg. Um, The first description of measles was in the ninth century by a Persian doctor. Although at that time it was it was thought that it was probably related to smallpox, which was much better known and understood. And we've talked about smallpox before was kind of a bigger deal. Measles was even seen as maybe one of the phases of smallpox. Hmm. Maybe you got measles like like pre-smallpox. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe it was a different like. In some people, this is how smallpox looks, and in other people, it looks like the the worst thing, you know. Because mm-hmm. I mean, some not really the same rash, but similar enough that you get all red and spotty, and you know, I don't know, same disease. There were probably outbreaks of it in the ancient world, but the hard thing is, uh, one, you really need large population centers to support epidemics of measles. So most of the time, there would have just been isolated cases if there were some. Mm-hmm. And a lot of viral diseases cause red splotchy rashes, you know, so it's it's kind of hard to differentiate that when we look to ancient descriptions, you know, in, in texts of like somebody got a red dotty rash. What did they have? Right. Who knows? They obviously didn't call it that. So, no, we didn't know that it was measles. You know, it could have been a lot of things. Um the Greeks probably didn't have enough large population centers to support big epidemics of measles, which is why you don't really hear Hippocrates writing about it or um, read, I guess, Hippocrates writing about it. Gotcha. He didn't do any audiobooks. <laughs> he didn't do it. He, you know, why didn't he have a podcast? It was his I think, podcast. I don't I think it's, that. it's not fair that I get one and Hippocrates didn't. He probably ranks higher. Polly Shore has one. That's <laughs> think you think Hippocrates? Not, nothing against Paulie Shore, man. It's not a lot of great work. Just like Paulie Shore gets podcasts and Hippocrates doesn't. I don't know. He'd agree. He'd agree with that assessment. Time's a cool I think. Uh, there is uh, some people will point to the plague of Athens as a as a um, representation of early measles, but this is actually a big point of debate. As I was reading about it, so there was a plague that ravaged Athens during the time that it was at war with Sparta. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the many. Does, weren't they always like at war? Uh, I don't know. There's at least two 300 movies, so at least at least twice, I think. Okay. I know nothing about history. Well, I, I know, know nothing something. about the 300 movies. I know very movies, little about history. I know nothing about the 300 movies, apparently, because those are Persians and Spartans. But hey. Yeah. Let's just roll. Close. Yeah. Close. I uh, See, I didn't minor in history. I was one class short, so I can't claim any history knowledge. I tell people I minored in Spanish, but I barely made it out of Spanish 4 with a D. I did minor in Spanish. Okay. Anyway. So there was a plague that ravaged Athens, and it probably contributed largely to its decline. Uh, and what happened is that that they were fighting the Spartans, and there were the people who lived like within the Athenian the, the walls of the city of Athens, the Athenian walls. And then there were kind of these people that lived out in the middle, you know. Mm-hmm. And when the war started, they kind of rushed in on the city of Athens to live closer to the city central, you know, to be to be more protected. And during that time, a huge plague erupted, probably just because there were a lot of people living in close quarters and kind of like in a refugee kind of camp situation, you know, they didn't have clearly defined borders as to who lived where and who, you know, peed where and who sneezed where. 
and what they ate. Not that they even knew that was a thing. Exactly. That they should worry about. Uh, so, so some sort of horrible plague just just spread through Athens like wildfire at this point. And when you read descriptions, they definitely had a red, splotchy rash. Um, but then they talk about the rash like ulcerating and people are bleeding everywhere and their tongues are coming off in their mouths and their eyes are bleeding. So at this point, this starts to sound a little less like measles. And either one, like people got some really awful bacterial infections of some other kind of sore maybe Mm. it was smallpox it could have been typhoid it's really not clear so i don't know this may have been a description of the first major measles outbreak or it may just you know be something else Uh, the romans probably did have big enough population centers to support big outbreaks of measles but again the outbreaks of measles sound like outbreaks of anything else that has a rash back then so we're not sure gotcha in this in the 13th century we get the word measles, which actually is like measles, me, 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 Z-I-L-S. Yeah. Measles, literally. This is how, this is how like a little kid spells measles. Like a, like street. I think that's like measles prefers, <laughs> like if, if, if measles was tagging, that that's what he would use. Measles. He or she, I don't want to assign a gender to measles, who can say. When I see measles spelled that way, it reminds me of when you call pretzels peasles. I do call pretzels peasles sometimes. You do. That's true. So I say, salt me up some peasles, Sid. So spot me up some measles. Spot me up some measles. <laughs> Got it. Um, the, that word actually meant, when you spell it that way, it means either leprosy or measles. Oh, really? Yeah. So they, they thought that maybe they were closely related. We're still kind of unclear on exactly what measles is at this point. And again, at this point, we're still thinking that things are caused by the, we talked about this for miasmas. Like they're in the air. Right. Something in the air that makes you sick. We don't know exactly what it is. It's just sort of like a bad vibe. Seeps into a room and the next thing you know, everybody's sick. Like Smilex gas, basically, from it, from the hit film Tim Burton's Presents the Batman. <laughs> they get current. Yeah. Timely. Current, current timely 1989 film references for you folks. We're, we're also a film review podcast. Yeah, we do that too. We're the Flophouse now. Uh, there were also there were also theories that it was spread by seeds that you could get from person to person that would cause disease, which kind of is close. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not too far off. I'll give them credit tiny, for tiny, that. Tiny, tiny seeds. Uh, in the 16th century, we actually began to recognize measles as a distinct entity that is uh, in and of itself measles. You know, this is a right. some kind of disease that people get and it causes a rash and they get sick. But in Europe and Asia, the the death rates were relatively low, so it wasn't something that people spent a lot of time they had focusing bigger, on or worrying about. A bigger proverbial frisk to fry. Exactly. There were a lot of other diseases that were killing lots of people. Measles was low on the was low on the list. What really changed that was as people began exploring, they carried along, and most notably smallpox with them. But I was also about measles. to guess that straight white men got it in great amount because that's usually what turns <laughs> these things around. <laughs> No, it's already it's already affecting a lot of straight white men. It's um, what what really measles really made a name for itself in the untouched populations of you know the New World, so the Native Americans, and then as explorers went to places like Fiji, Samoa, West Africa, Hawaii, uh, as they would explore, they took along. We all know they took smallpox with them. Well, they also took measles. And at this point, you're seeing outbreaks of measles, and we know this is measles, not not smallpox, killing 20 to 30 percent of people each time there's an epidemic. So I think we begin to see at this point that, you know, measles 
does have a nasty side that we tend to forget about, Mm -hmm. especially now since it's been such a long time since any of us have seen measles. Gotcha. Uh, It was thought for a while that measles was just part of growing up. That you just, like, it wasn't even something you got. It wasn't something external. It was just internal to... Like super puberty, basically? Yes. Like, you went through puberty, and then you got measles, and you went through your measles phase. Ah, you know... Listen to that boy saying, you can tell Leanne's in her measles phase right now. She's in her measles. She's just, she's in her room. She's listening to that moody music. Listen to that boy saying, you can tell he hasn't had his measles yet. (laughs) It's beautiful and angelic. (laughs) Make a star out of him if he continues to keep his clear complexion. There was also a theory, uh, there there is a goddess of measles, a Hindu goddess of measles, Satala. Jane McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy is the American goddess of measles. Measles. Uh, Satala inflicted measles on people as punishment. Um, I mention this because one of the things we'll talk about in a little bit is the idea that measles might be a gift from a goddess. And let me just clarify at this point that since we're still talking historically, it is a punishment from a goddess inflicted on people when they displease her. Got it. She gives them measles. You don't. Like it's a, so just I'm gonna don't want measles. No, it's a bad thing. Got it's it. Not a. It's not a gift. I'm with it. No. Um. So what? I'm a little confused. What? It, we've talked a lot about the history of measles, but like I'm gonna be honest with you and say that I've never. You know, obviously I've never seen it in my lifetime. So, like, can you tell me like, what it actually is? Sure. I think that's a good idea because I also have not seen measles. Um. And I I am a doctor for real. I don't just play one on a podcast, but measles is something that I learned about in medical school as um, kind of an academic note. There is a thing that was called measles. Other In some parts of the world, people are still getting measles, certainly. You know, we have not eradicated it, but you won't see it in your career, Sydney, because we don't have it in the U.S. anymore. Wrong. So it's a paramyxovirus. It's also known as rubiola. Right. Um, so like I said, it's a virus. You get it, and then about 7 to 14 days after you've been exposed, you start to get symptoms. Uh, we were taught in med school that you get the the three C's first, cough, coryza, and conjunctivitis. You probably know what two of those are. Yeah, I know cough and conjunctivitis. In case people don't know conjunctivitis is, though, what? Like red eyes, right. like inflammation of the eyes. Gotcha. And you can also get coryza or like runny nose. Oh, okay. Like cold symptoms. They just, so it they just like, said coryza, so there would be three C's. Yeah. Basically. There's also there's also a K, but it sounds like a C called coplic spots, which are these little white spots you get inside your mouth. Okay. But they're but it's a K technically. Gotcha. You also get a fever. And you get these symptoms no way first. To, no way to spin that with a C, I guess. I don't um no. Calor. Calor. Ah, calor. Calor mi cabeza. Ah, that C? They missed that one. Yeah. I got it. I'm all over you. Um Anyway, so you get these symptoms, and then three or three to five days later, you get a rash. And we were taught that it's kind of like a, a bucket of paint rash. You hmm. think about it as like somebody dumped a bucket of paint over your head because it starts at your head and works its way down to your feet. So you start the spots up around your hairline, and then slowly they work their way down. Like a Jackson Pollock disease. <laughs> no, and wouldn't that be like splatter slashes like all over you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. This is a little more orderly. It's like you said, I don't know, on you can't do that on television. And somebody dumped a bucket of measles on your head. (laughs) Exactly. Got it. That show would have been a lot less pleasant if that was. No. It was uh, the 
you know, you remember, you don't, you can't do that on television. It lasted three episodes, and everybody on Earth watched it. It was the greatest, shortest-running television program ever. <laughs> and then- Nickelodeon has, <laughs> is still in court. <laughs> Measles, and you may have heard this uh, on the news, is very, very infectious. Unlike Ebola, which, which we mentioned is not. Right. It has a rate of, if I can remember this correctly, the average for Ebola is like one in one, right? For for mm-hmm. one person that gets it, one other person will get it. Exactly. Which You're going to infect like one other person. Which is in if easier to control. Yes. Much easier to control. Measles, on the other hand, if you are infected, you're likely to give it to 16 to 18 people, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. And a lot harder to control. It's spread by respiratory droplets, but it also hangs around on surfaces and in rooms for two hours after you've been there. So this really is a case of, you know, if somebody with measles is in the same bowling alley as you and you're not immunized, you really do need to worry. So this is a lot scarier in that sense. Right. You know, certainly not as dramatic as Ebola, but much easier to get. Most people get better in a week or so. Most people get those symptoms, they get the rash, they're probably gonna give it to some other people, and then they get better. Is this one of those scenarios where otherwise healthy adults tend to fare the best? Exactly. Most of the time, you or I, Justin, would probably probably do okay from measles. Okay. M- most likely we would. Um, however, we won't get measles because we were immunized. MMR, right? Yes, that's right. MMR, which stands for measles, mumps, rubella, Mm because those are the three diseases that you're immunized against when you get it. And we'll talk a little bit more about the vaccine. But some people don't get better. There are some complications. And I will say this. We are not the most likely group to not get complications. We're not the safest group. Hmm. The safest group are people between 5 and 20. Really? Yeah. They're the least likely to get complications. We're still pretty unlikely because we're healthy and relatively young. But the little kids, especially little kids who haven't gotten their immunizations yet, uh, but little kids in general and then older people and people with other, you know, illnesses, things that would uh, suppress their immune system, make it harder for them to fight off any disease, can get the following complications. And here are some numbers for you. One in 20, that's not, not a small number, one in 20 kids with measles get pneumonia, which doesn't sound like a big deal, except the most common cause of measles death is pneumonia. One in 20 kids will get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That does not mean that one in 20 kids will die, but one in 20 kids with measles get pneumonia. One in 1,000 kids with measles will get encephalitis, which is inflammation of the brain, which is kind of a big deal. Right. One to two out of every 1,000 people with measles will die. Got it. And four to 11, and we don't have great numbers on this because we're not seeing measles as much now. Four to 11 in 100,000 will get something called subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, SSPE, which is a long-term condition uh, that affects the central nervous system and doesn't usually show up until maybe 10 years after you had the measles, but will impact your neurological function for the rest of your life. So... With these numbers, you can see why some people were interested in fixing measles. Right. Because for a long time, it was considered, you know, even after we knew it wasn't a phase of growing up, it was considered just part of what happened when you grew up. Kind of like when we were little, everybody got chicken pox at some time. Right. And now now they don't because there's a vaccine. That's weird, isn't it? It's really weird. weird. Yeah. People don't get chicken pox anymore. Um, 
for a long time, measles was just part of what happened. You know, every couple of years we would have a big epidemic. People would get measles. You hoped you didn't get too sick, but everybody got sick. Is it one of those where you get it once and you're done? Yes. Okay. Yeah, for most people. Right. Usually, yeah. Now, there were, of course, some weird cures here and there tried. And I should note, there is no cure for measles. There's no, like, specific treatment. Just supportive care. Supportive care. Total Uh-huh. And get your vaccine so you don't get it would be my main um, recommendation. But some cures that have been tried, there were some religious cures. So we talked about that there was a goddess, Satala, who could give you measles. Um, There was a tree. You could take the leaves from the neem tree, and then you could rub them all over you on your rash and then spread them out under your bed. And then you would take a can of wet cow dung and leave that in your doorway And when visitors came to see you, they would have to dip like a leg in the wet cow dung in order to purify themselves before they came in to visit you. Excellent. Excellent. I'm so, in case you needed another reason to not visit your friend with the measles, now you have one. (laughs) Because they have a can of They have a can of dog poo 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 or cow poo poo for you to put your leg in. Wouldn't a vaccine be easier? Just keep thinking that as I'm telling you these things. Gotcha. Uh, in some of the Japanese traditional medicine uh, beliefs, you can first use a strict diet, which actually nutrition is important when you're healing from anything mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of wheat. I don't know about that. Or there were some specific talismans um, like horses mm-hmm. worked well against measles. And, the maje- majesty. Uh, the majesty of horses or Mount Fuji talismans. Also majestic, equally majestic. Anything majestic, bald eagle, American flag. Whatever. Uh, Justin. Rocky like a hurricane. A talisman of Justin. A talisman of He's myself. very majestic. Very majestic man. Justin yeah. with a single tear and... Just like a flannel like shirt. A, yeah, with like a, another shirt underneath it that has like a wolf on it. Yeah. That's like howling how, at the moon. I, I'm getting a little teary-eyed right now just thinking about that <laughs> Maybe majesty. like an American flag in the background of it? Two of them. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Uh, of course, as everything else we talk about, bloodletting was tried for... <laughs> you gotta try it. Just to say. Who knows? You don't know. You're not a doctor. It. I, one of the descriptions I read of bloodletting mentioned specifically that you shouldn't hesitate to bleed even the tender infant. Cool. They got, they got loads of blood. Nothing but. I would hesitate to bleed a tender infant myself. I don't want to meet the doctor that doesn't hesitate to bleed a tender <laughs> infant. Oh, baby, huh? Br- bring that bad boy over here. <laughs> Got it. No problem. Didn't even think about it, really. It's like reflex at this point. Got any other babies? It's like my my, fave. They're my favorite to bleed. They're so easy. They're so easy, especially when you don't hesitate. That's the trick. You just got to go, whoa, I just bled another baby. I wasn't even looking. That's a no look. I no scoped that baby. Uh, Especially for the diarrhea that that little kids would get. Bleeding Mm -hmm. was great for that. Sure. Uh, There was a... A long time belief that measles break out, breaks out on the inside first, which kind of makes sense because you think about people got the other symptoms before the rash. So you had to do things to make the rash comes out. And this is one of those cases where whatever you did would work because the rash was coming. Right. So somebody would get sick. You knew measles was going around. So you would do one of these weird things to bring out the measles and then the rash would come and you go, yay. And you didn't want it to go back in on you, which was the, that's what they called it, go back in on you, because then it would, you'd get measles of the liver and stuff like that. Oh, right. That's a big problem. And so in order to bring them out, you could drink some sheep dropping tea Mm. or nanny pills. I found it called that a lot. Some nanny pills. They're called nanny pills? Nanny pills. I guess a sheep is like a nanny. Wink. And then uh, pills. Anyway, um, 
garlic seeds steeped in whiskey. Um, sure. Sure. Go for it. Uh, there was also a tree. It's called the gumbo limbo tree. And this is interesting. We talked about the doctrine of signatures before. Mm-hmm. The idea that nature gives us clues to what can cure something by it looks like the thing you want to cure. So I guess this tree has a red rough bark that peels off and kind of looks like a rash. So the bark of this tree was good for measles, also for sunburns and anything else that looks red and peely. Um, the usual things that cure everything and you know, kind of a um, natural view of medicine, lavender, chamomile, peppermint tea, catnip, echinacea, vitamin C, and vitamin A, which there's actually a little bit of truth to this. Um, measles is really rough on people who are malnourished and specifically on people with vitamin A deficiency. Hmm. So that has been a re- that's been a recommendation for a while in underdeveloped countries. When kids get measles, we very often would give them a couple doses of vitamin A right away in order to prevent some of the really horrible complications of measles and uh, to improve their mortality. So there's a little bit of truth to that. So now that I know what it is, how did we start making some progress against it? Well, Justin, I'm going to tell you all about that. But before I do, why don't you head on down to the billing department with me? Let's go. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support 
and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, so how did we start making some progress against the measles? So, first of all, in 1757, there was a Scottish doctor, Francis Home, who showed that there was, in fact, something in your bloodstream that was infectious, so that could be passed from person to person, that was causing measles, which was a big breakthrough. So mm-hmm. now we know it's not just like, oh, you got your, it's a time of, you know, your voice is changing, you got acne, you got boobs, and now you got measles. Right. <laughs> um by 1912, so we get, you know, there's a long time period there where we're studying and not figuring much out. Measles is a distinct reportable disease in the U.S., but we have no idea what to do about it. We know there's this virus. We know everybody's getting it. We know it's very infectious. But every year in the U.S., uh, over that next decade, 6,000 people died every year of measles in the United States. 6,000 people. In 1954, we had a big breakthrough when we actually isolated the virus itself. So instead of just kind of like we we know there's something in the blood, we know how it's passed from person to person, we looked at it under a microscope, probably electron microscope, and said, this is the virus. This is what is causing measles. They got it from the blood of a 13-year-old boy named David Edmonston, who, who had the measles, obviously, um, which is important only because the Edmonston strain vaccine is is what was then created from it. Hmm. Is there anything special about that kid, you think, or I mean, finally figured it out? They, we just figured it out. He had just really kid. huge measles. <laughs> and I know they could see him with the naked eye, practically. And now he's famous for it forever. For, for his having huge the measles. measles. Uh, in 1963, we made a vaccine. And then in 1968, we perfected it. And this is still the same vaccine, the one we made in 1968 that we are using today in combination with mumps and rubella, or rubella is also known as German measles, in the MMR. Hmm. Um, in 1978, so we, we are armed with this vaccine. We're going to give it to everybody. And this is, you know, we talked about, we're kind of in the same time period when, this, when the World Health Organization said, hey, why don't we eliminate smallpox? And then, right. we, you know, we did. The CDC says, hey, we're going to eliminate measles. And we're going to do it by 1982. <sighs> we don't quite hit that deadline. In part because we realized that initially we were only giving kids one shot, that they probably need a booster. So then we add a booster shot and everybody starts getting better and we're doing a much better job. And then in the year 2000, we declare measles eliminated in the U.S. (sighs) Yeah, mission accomplished. (sighs) Now, this is important to know. Unlike when we when we completely eradicated smallpox from the face of the earth, with the exception of a couple labs, hopefully just the couple labs, hopefully nowhere else. Well, and then that one that was found in like a library somewhere or some archive. Under somebody's chair. Or yeah. <laughs> somebody left some behind somewhere. Um, measles was still killing people worldwide, still is now, still was in 2000. Uh, as of 2013, about 145,000 people are dying from measles worldwide. So that is important to remember. We didn't eliminate measles from the face of the earth. We thought we eliminated it from the US, but it's still out there and can come back. 
especially if people aren't vaccinated. Hmm. So this is where everybody starts getting it so very wrong. Measles should be a historical footnote. The vaccine isn't perfect. So there are a handful of people who are going to get vaccinated and still be susceptible to getting the measles. But we have this great thing that we talked about on the vaccine episode called herd immunity. Do you remember what that is, Justin? Yeah, it's when a population of people is, I think the stat is like 80 to 90% vaccinated against something. Then because the disease can't get a foothold, the entire community is basically immune, looked at holistically. Exactly. Now, it's a little higher, I believe, for measles. I think it's like 95%, 90-95%. It's different for every disease. That's a good, that's a good you know threshold to think about um but uh when you look at what happened at disneyland recently where a bunch of people got the measles when you have a population that starts choosing not to vaccinate and then you introduce people who aren't immune to it for some other reason and then you take the fact that there are going to be people traveling from other parts of the world where measles is still being passed around is still endemic you have a recipe for disaster especially when you consider that there are some people who can't get the measles vaccine. You know, there are always going to be people who might be allergic to some component of a vaccination or for some health reason are not eligible to receive the vaccine because it would be harmful to them. There aren't a lot of these people, but they do exist. And part of the reason that I get vaccinated and you get vaccinated and you do, Justin, is to protect these people who can't. In addition, there's somebody else who you're protecting when you get your measles vaccine. Who? Charlie. Our baby. My baby. Well, your baby. Okay, your baby too. Okay. Our baby. It sounds more impactful. My baby. Protect my baby. Our baby is six months old. She doesn't get her measles vaccine yet. You get your first when you're 12 to 15 months old, and then you get a booster probably when you enter school, but somewhere between the age of four to six. So Charlie doesn't have her measles vaccine yet. And measles is particularly devastating in the young, less than two population who hasn't gotten their vaccines or at least both of their vaccines at this point. So that's also who you're protecting when you get your measles vaccination. Um, Some people out there, this is crazy because we're talking about, this is not an ancient belief. Some people think that measles is important to get. What? That it makes you stronger. That after you get measles, your kid will be more vigorous and more energetic and will be stronger afterwards. Are you kidding me? Nope. That is a belief. that it, you, We don't want to protect our kids from measles with a vaccine because it's an important trial they'll go through so that they can come out the other end tougher. What kind of weird, like, vision quest BS is that? Like, follow your spirit wolf across the ridge and you'll return a man? Like, what is that nonsense? It's the same kind of nonsense that interpreted ancient Sanskrit to mean that measles is a gift from the goddess. And so therefore we shouldn't vaccinate because we're refusing a gift from a goddess. I just want to say, uh, I hope that my previous comment was not offensive to anyone who believes in vision quests or spirit animals. I think that that's (laughs) wonderful. I think that's fine. I know that's a cultural issue. I was specifically trying to insult people who don't get vaccinated and i think that they are criminals and they should go to jail yeah if you go on a vision quest in order to avoid getting measles instead of getting a vaccine then that's the problem then you're the problem right yes 
Um, this is what's most, most frustrating. So why aren't people getting vaccinated? And I think, you know, I'll say it, but I think most people know this. So there has been a perception that, and we talked about this in the vaccine episode, that vaccines are dangerous, that there's some sort of plot perpetrated by the government to harm people and specifically that they're causing things like autism or their learning disabilities or problems in children. This is wrong. It's just wrong. It's not true. There's no there's no evidence for it. And in fact, there's tons of evidence against it. Um, look this up for yourself. Research this topic. There is nothing to the link between any vaccine and autism, specifically the MMR. Uh, doctor, the former Dr. Wakefield who perpetrated this myth is a criminal. He has the blood of children on his hands and so does Jenny McCarthy while we're at it. And there is... And Rob Schneider put him on blast. <laughs> and there is no link between it. And what's frustrating about this is even as I say these words, I could quote to you studies and I could show you the links and I could give you all the information. Studies are showing that trying to educate people about vaccines only makes them more entrenched in their belief that vaccines are bad. The best we can hope for, folks, is her- herd immunity from dumb. Like talk to people if don't let this stand like don't and and moreover please i'm begging you don't let politicians turn this into an issue where which insinuates that there are two sides if someone says that it should be a a a personal choice please show them a picture of our baby and say that you're an idiot and you'll never get my vote i understand there's going to be things that we're politically divided on i get that please don't let this brainless stupid reactionary nonsense be one of those issues please for me thanks and i know we're probably preaching the choir here i have a hard time imagining the person who's captivated by the history of medicine and yet refuses to embrace any of it (laughs) uh one interesting suggestion i saw in forbes was maybe we should start suing people Okay. who don't vaccinate their children. Fine. Specifically, if their children make our children sick. I'm all for that. Whatever it takes to stop them. Um, you know, it's interesting. Justin and I live in one of the two states that are left that don't allow religious exemptions from vaccines, um, which actually they're trying to overturn that. Please in this don't. legislative session. Uh, which, is, which is probably a good thing because here's the thing. If you're not going to get vaccinated, if you're not, well, I shouldn't say this. If you're not going to vaccinate your children... Your children shouldn't be allowed to attend school. You should have to keep them at home. <laughs> but then where do we stop that? Because obviously then your children can still go to Disneyland and give everybody measles. Right. And that's a big problem. So just vaccinate your kids and then they won't get sick and our kids won't get sick. And we can all be happy in the fact that as a species, we have advanced to the point where we can protect ourselves from awful infectious diseases that still kill people. Somebody's kid is going to die from measles. In America. Which doesn't make it more important than in any other country. No, I don't mean that like it's happening here in our home. I mean like in a country that like eradicated eradicated it it in 2000. That's that's insane. It's insane. Please. This vaccine has saved millions of lives since it was created. Literally. And there are, I'm not making this number up. The calculations are that we have saved millions of lives by using the measles vaccine. We are saving millions of lives. In other countries, you know how far mothers walk in places in sub-Saharan Africa to get their child a measles vaccine? Do you know how far they walk to to have access to these vaccines? They're free at your health department. Your pediatrician will give them to you or your family doctor. 
Please, I please know. don't take this for granted. Vaccines have saved millions of lives. It's completely safe. Get your vaccines, unless I, you're I, one of the few people who can't. I know we're getting preachy, guys. Sorry about that. I don't mean to be. It's just... <sighs> it's so easy. Just get this. To, are you afraid of shots? Is that it? Because I get that. I do. They make a, There's a syrup you can drink. You don't have to get a shot. Well, no, no, no you got to get a shot. They got measles no, syrup. No, you got to. No problem. No, that's have not true. Have them squirt the shot in your mouth. You'll no, be fine. No, that doesn't work. No, get the, get, worth just a get shot. The, no, Maybe get it does the work. Shot. We don't know. We've never, just, no, never tried it. Here's the thing, guys. There's a lot of stuff in medicine that's really difficult, that's really complicated, and that I struggle with and I'm still learning about every day. This is not one of them. Vaccines are easy. Just get them. Thank you for listening to our admittedly a little preachy podcast, uh, Sawbones. Thanks to people tweeting about it uh, uh, at Sawbones. Want to make mention uh, some unfortunate news here. If you are uh, coming to the uh, L.A. show that my brother, my brother, me is doing uh, uh, this weekend, we will not be able to attend that. Unfortunately. Uh, it just we couldn't we thought the we baby could can't. do it the baby can't no. right now sorry she's just, she's just little and it, we're just not ready for this we're not quite ready but so we apologize for that and uh um we we do hear they have a uh, a substitute podcast of some sort so um we are we are apology apologizing for that but we did want to let you know um because yes didn't want to leave you hanging um and we will miss you and we will miss you very much thank you to people tweeting about the show like katie farina uh tiana zach weekly hans uh, Han Starbuck, I guess is what we'll go with. Uh, Ray Han Sangara, Hannah Craig, Lizzie Care, Paul Manone, uh, Lavalli, Caleb Mislick, uh, Joan Christensen, Meredith M, Graham Rowett, uh, Missed in History, Nicole uh, Graham's uh, uh, wife, Kate Baldwin, was uh, very nice and promoted our show uh, on the hey, Listen thanks. podcast. So thank you. Uh, Kate, thank you, Broadway's Kate Baldwin, Baldwin, who I would always make people refer to me as Broadway's Justin McElroy if I was on Broadway. That's just me. Do you want me to call you that? I would appreciate it, yeah. Broadway Justin okay. McElroy. Uh, but but thank you all so much for tweeting at us. We're at Sawbones on Twitter, so you can just tweet about the show. Tweet a link to our iTunes page. It's iTunes.com slash Sawbones. You can review us, rate us, um, um, you, you know, all the, all the good stuff. Subscribe, all that good stuff. So thank you to that. Thank you to the Max Fun Network for having us on as part of their uh, Max Fun family. There's a lot of great shows uh, all waiting for you for free at MaximumFun.org. Uh, there's the hilarious Judge John Hodgman. You can listen to Stop Podcasting Yourself, Memory Palace, uh, Risk, Wham Bam Pow, One Bad Mother, Lady to Lady, Destination DIY. Um, there are so many that you could be enjoying right now. My brother, my brother and me. And uh, uh, thank you, dear. That's the show I do with my brothers. But there's a lot. So go to MaximumFun.org and you can listen to all those uh, shows. Thanks to taxpayers for letting us use their song, Medicines, at the intro and outro of our program. And thanks so much to you for uh, for listening. And thank you, Sydney. Thank you, Broadway Justin. <laughs> That's catching on already. Until next Tuesday, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.